think that family over everything gets toxic when there's no boundaries and when our intent is transactional. So if we just say family over everything all the time, but there's no boundaries and then our intent is transactional, that's when the family feuds. And then if we don't have the tools, it's a wrap, right? What's up y'all? And welcome back to Practice the Podcast where we fuse research and culture to help you develop the mindset, habits, and skills you need in order to live out your purpose with confidence. I'm your host, Coach Reese, and this is episode 10. And today we're talking about family, y'all. Let's go. We are talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Practices are meant to be competitive. They're meant to be competitive. If your practices are more competitive than the games themselves, you're doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Yo, today is a super special episode because research shows that 56% of podcasts have 10 or fewer episodes. So I'm super stoked because this was a mission that I had for myself was to be able to get over this hump. And so we are here. And once we get to episode 11, we're going to be popping that many more bottles because it'll be the end of the year. And so I'm super excited to celebrate this. But I'm really excited about this episode and I ain't even gonna hold you. I had to re-record this because the first one just wasn't giving what I needed it to give. So I had to go back to the drawing board and really get after it. We are talking about family y'all. Family over everything except for boundaries. And I wanna dive in, I wanna go hard. I wanna be transparent and real because navigating family is tough. It's difficult because it includes people. And we know that we have enough problem just dealing with ourselves. So when we put it, somebody else into the situation and it's family and there's expectations or the boundaries aren't clear, my goodness, it's a lot. And I wanna talk about this right now because it's holiday season. Christmas is on Sunday and Christmas gives that vibe of like, it's supposed to be fun and family and cheery and joy, but it ain't that. There's so much going on in the world today. Um, that these this holiday just it ain't it ain't gonna be what it's supposed to be like the holidays aren't giving what they're supposed to be giving anymore and it breaks my heart um you know i lost my grandmother a couple months ago and it's it hurts you know to know this would be my first holiday without her i lost my mom six years ago so this would be like you know my fifth or sixth one without her but um there are people who are suffering recent suffering um you know uh twitch past this um, last week, you know, so his kids and his wife, and there's a lot of other people that I know who passed um, just within the last year, within the last months. And so the holidays just don't hit the way that Hallmark says they should hit. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to do this episode right now because I want to talk about family, but not from the aspect of us having to deal with people who we've lost, but I want to talk about having to deal with people who we're still doing life with, deal with the grieving of like, how do you grieve the loss of somebody who's still alive, right? The loss of that relationship who was family, is family, supposed to be family, whatever it is, right? Because family is complex, it's difficult, it's messy, it's, it is everything. I think family is supposed to be our breeding ground for all the things we desire to be out in the rest of the world. Like, I think that family should be that space that I get to show up holistically and be me and be myself and be naked and be authentic and be vulnerable and transparent. I get to test my jokes. I get to test my purpose. I get to test, you know, my character, my personality and family can give me that nice, raw, honest feedback. Um, and before I go further, I'm going to define this. I define family uh, by relationship and not blood. Okay, I define family by relationship and not blood because uh, we'll, we'll see in a little bit, but I'm sure some of you might agree with that. Like, yeah, family is relationship and not just blood, but I think family should be that space where we get to test out the things before we put them out into the world because the world is cruel and <laughs> it's just not always the nicest place. And so family should be the people that we're able to do life with that helps equips us with strength in wisdom, in nourishment, in love, in loyalty, in trust. And, but it also is a space that we get to test out our ability to uh, navigate difficulties and navigate challenges in conflict resolution and conflict management. Family should be the space that we have the ability to grow our emotional maturity and our emotional confidence. And we are able to then take that from our family unit 
out into our friends and our confidants and our mentors and our acquaintances and our community and villages because our family has nourished and prepared us and equipped us with the ability to do that. And so family over everything except for boundaries. So our quote for this episode is family over everything. Where did this even come from? I couldn't even tell you. I looked it up and I couldn't find like it's like anonymous. Family over everything, F-O-E. It's a saying, it's a tattoo, it's a shirt, it's a basketball team, it's a culture, it's a movement, it's a everything. Family over everything. But I also think it's toxic and we're gonna talk about that. But before we do, the theme song for this episode is Family Feud by Jay-Z and Beyonce. And I promise you, I tried to find some other artists, but I just really rock heavy with them and the song, it fits, okay? The song just fits. So. Family Feud by Jay-Z on his 444 album. Bruh drops this bar. He says, nobody wins when the family feuds. Psh, period. Nobody wins when the family feuds, right? We all screwed because we never had the tools. So this literally goes back to what I was just talking about is like, family should be the space where we're able to get tested and tried and true and build the strength. But unfortunately, if we don't have the tools for reconciliation, we don't have the tools for communication, we don't have the tools for conflict management, then family then becomes a space that doesn't equip us, hardens our heart, and prevents us from being able to be that much more. I think sometimes we're supposed to be out in the rest of the world. Now, again, I'm talking about family by relationship, but also our immediate family and our blood family. That ends up being the space where we get hurt first. Those are our first hurts. I've talked about this before, right? Like our family, um, more times not our parents, you know, our mom and our dad or our moms or however you, you know, describe it. Uh, the people we were born to ends up being the, um, our first set of hurts. And so that kind of shapes how we see the rest of the world and then influences folks like myself to say family is more blood than relationship or more relationship than blood. And I will tell you right here, right now, I am working this out in my own heart as I speak. And I think that's why this episode was so hard for me to record. I, pr I promise you, I recorded 50 minutes before this um, because it's difficult, y'all. Like it is, it's difficult because family means I get, I get it. Family over everything. I get it. But again, you have to have boundaries in place over your heart. You have to guard your heart. Other people have to guard their heart, right? So there needs to be a sense of um, clear expectations. There needs to be a sense of clear communication of what that really means and looks like for you and the people you do life with. So whew, girl almost started crying on that one. <laughs> Let's keep moving. So the research that I want us to really sink our teeth in, and I really want to be that much better again, because this is this is practice. We fuse in research and we fuse in culture. So before we dive deeper into the culture, I want us to tap into this research real quick. So there's a concept called familial capital. So familial capital is super fire because there's certain types of capital. It's called the community cultural wealth model. So there's cultural wealth that black and brown people um, bring to the table, assets, knowledge, resources that we bring to the table naturally. And one of those forms of capital is our familial capital. And what that really means is we have a sense of cultural wealth that we embody through kinship, right? That we embody through community, our connection to history, um, our connection to like our, our memory, our ancestors, that pride that like where we like that, you know, that, um, that, that black pride, right? Like whatever piece that you feel like um, really connects. And for me, one of the ways that I like to express this is through tattoos. Now, if you're listening to this, obviously you can't see it. Um, but if you've seen many pictures of me, I've got some tattoos. And this for me is like my familiar capital um, with my grandmother and my mom. And right here, this says TLC and it's the, the legacy will continue. Look at that. I was talking about the album 444 and I got it right here. Unscripted, y'all. Unscripted. Anywho, um, family history, like this is to me is my family history that is, that pours out through me and who I am and how I show up because of my mother and my grandmother. And you have that same type of, of capital, right? Like you have that same type of cultural capital that is alive and well in you. And 
it's important for you to be able to recognize this and recognize that this is something uh, that empowers you. This is something that you can leverage in order to grow in your authenticity, in order to grow in your self-awareness is looking back. And I know for some people, that's not always the easiest. If you've been adopted or in foster care, you just, or you don't know your family, you're really so disconnected or whatever it may be. Um, there's the nurturing, the village that you um, grew up in, right? The community you grew up in also molded you to be the person the way that you are today. But if you do have connection to your blood family or immediate family in any way, I would encourage you to have conversations um, with those folks. So that way you can find out that much more about you and who you are and what sense of pride can you kind of pull from those spaces or what can you learn from them that'll help you become uh, your best self as you continue to grow and living out your purpose. The other thing that comes with Familiar Capital is it, it helps us develop a healthy connection to people. And so what's cool about this is, and you see this a lot in, again, black and brown villages, is that like my homeboy, my friend, my homegirl, whatever, we've been friends and cool for so long that she become my cousin. You know what I'm saying? She become my sister. She become my brother or my, yeah, that's happened too. My sister became my brother. It's another story. But, um, or my, my friend became my sister, whatever it is, right? Like you've done life with these people for so long and there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of connection and relationship that these people who were who were strangers to friends now became family. And this is something that's a form of capital for us because it helps us develop a sense of of understanding and morals and character it helps develop our personality. So this is the framework uh, that we're going to be moving with from the from a research stand is I want you to know that your familiar connections are something that you can leverage as a form of capital as you continue to grow and living out your purpose. But I want us to think about now as we shift into the movie world and we're looking at culture, I want us to think about the series of Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious is, is fire. And if you're like me, every single time I left the theater and I went to drive, I was like, mm -hmm, I was doing my thing. Uh, but anytime I found out that one of the new movies was coming out, I was excited for so many reasons. And when I really sat and thought about it, it was because of the relational aspect. Like the family, like Fast and the Furious embodies family over everything, but it also body embodies the non-traditional family over everything. And that's what I want to point out here. This is where we really see that familiar capital of people who were strangers to friends to family in loyalty and trust were embedded and we rode that thing out. Think about the gender differences, the racial, ethnicity, the, the culture, um, all of the differences that show up in this space when you're thinking about the Fast and the Furious. Think about the connectedness, the shared responsibility, the helping. Think about Dom, right? Like Dom, I, I left every Fast and Furious movie being a better coach because I want to be like Dom. I want it to be that person who just embodied that loyalty and trust and, and respect and brought people in and made people better and, and people wanted to be around because they felt better and we just, we tackled this large task and I was strong like Dom. Like that was, that's what I saw, but he embodied loyalty. He, he there's a couple quotes that he says. He says, I don't have friends, I have family. And another thing he says is you don't turn your back on family even when they do. <sighs> okay, Pastor Dom, that's tough right there. Uh, another thing that I thought was fire is um, he said there's a, a scene where he says the most important thing in life will always be the people in this room right here, right now. So when I think about the family aspect of loyalty and love and respect and trust and go hardness and kinship and connectedness and food. I think of Fast and Furious. I think it's one of the best examples. I'm sure there's many more, but I think it's one of the best examples that we can, we can see um, it displayed and played out. So all of that to say is we love family. We love the family thought process, the family aspect, the family dynamic. Like we love, we, I'm saying that kind of loosely, but I also think that we've been starting to use the word family a little bit loosely. Um, 
but we, it deep down inside, I don't care whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, we are wired to do life with people. Now I mentioned last week that um, there's a danger in isolation, yes, but there's also time for isolation. There's a time and a place for everything, but as a human being, we are wired to do life with other people. And this is where the concept of family and familiar capital comes into play. Before I go further, I wanna talk real quick about the difference between social capital and familiar capital. Social capital is more so based off of your networks and the the networks, right? The networks of people that you know, so that way you can leverage in order to get some other type of gain, um, more in a kind of professional type, in a professional realm. Um, but I also think the difference between the two is intensity, right? Intimacy, connection, um, and connectedness on a deeper level. That's that intimacy piece, right? Um, and so I mentioned that because Familiar capital is something that we need as humans, as the, the personal part of you, while your social capital is also something that you need for the professional aspect of you. And your familiar capital sometimes can become professional capital or social capital as well along the lines. But we're wired for community, y'all. We are wired to do life with people. And what's cool about the um, about family is there's even a scripture in the Bible where it says, you know, a friend sticks close but a brother is there in times of trouble. So I would say a brother or a sister, whatever. And I think that's why family means so much to us and why I think Fast and Furious is such a great example amongst other things is it shows that like in a time of trouble, who am I calling? I got it. I, sh I should be able to call my brother. And I got a brother, shout out to you, Jess, um, that I know that I could call in a time of trouble. Just hands down, absolutely, no doubt about it. And that's what family is, is for. That's why it should be family over everything. The other piece is families are supposed to's, right? Again, going back to Fast and Furious, it's the, the people that we're supposed to be able to trust, the people that's supposed to be loyal to us, um, supposed to be able to show up in times of trouble, the supposed to, right? Our parents are supposed to, our mom, our dad, or whatever, are supposed to. But the thing that sucks is they don't always. And that's why I call it is the supposed to's is because this is where the hurt comes in. And this is where... If you don't insert boundaries, this is where the damage is done. This is where the family feuds. And if we don't have the tools to be able to be healthy, to heal ourselves, to have reconciliation, to be able to have conflict management, if we don't have those tools, the family will feud and it'll be a wrap. And I think that TV has done a great job of helping us romanticize right? Romanticize the unrealistic expectations of what it means to be and have a family, right? Like I think about the two parent household, the traditional, for lack of better words, mom and dad and two kids and um, maybe a dog. And then you have the friend that came over. I think of Boy Meets World and, you know, you never really saw Sean's family, but Sean was always over at um, Corey's house, you know, like it, that was always their thing. And then you have Mr. Oh boy across the fence, Mr. Feeney, Feeney, you know, always stuck his head up and over. He was kind of part of their family in a weird way and him and court just random. Anyways, um, I think about the Huxtables. I think about family matters and you think about Urkel. Did Urkel have family? Oh no, but he was like a part of their family. Right. Um, and then you think about uh, sister, sister, and their, how their families ended up blending together. And then you had Roger and Roger was a part of their family. And I've had some major Roger moments, uh, in my life where I've been Roger, I've been Sean, I've been, you know, the, uh, Steve Urkel. And I think, and I'm just being flat out transparent as somebody who was raised in an only parent household. I have siblings, but I wasn't raised with them. I sought out family in other spaces um, so I became the Roger to other families. I became the Sean. I became the Urkel to try to be in, you know, sort of fit in to get the family that I saw on TV. I'm having therapy right here, right now with y'all. I told y'all, this is just as much for me as it is for you. Um, so I don't know if anybody else can relate to that, but that's how, you know, family has been kind of molded for me, you know, in my mind. I also think about Fresh Prince or uh, That's So Raven uh, or The Proud Family, right? All these different shows are based around family that help us 
dream up or romanticize what family is supposed to look like or be sometimes and some of their conflicts are big but not really uh anyways they give us sort of a sort of an idea right but now the world looks extremely different than what it did you know a long time ago where houses look different you know family makeup looks extremely different uh than before but i don't want to hang on that for too long but the the point of that is to really just say that i think that sometimes tv sets us up for unrealistic expectations and when you grow up you're like wait this is not that's not how it's supposed to be this ain't it like this ain't like huh right like you get you get hurt so first you kind of get hurt from the like people in your real life then you get hurt by the people in tv because your real life don't really look like the tv it's all a mess shout out to therapy moving on so i think that family over everything gets toxic when there's no boundaries and when our intent is transactional so if we just say family over everything all the time but there's no boundaries and then our intent is transactional that's when the family feuds and then if we don't have the tools it's a wrap right so if there's no boundaries in play we need boundaries with people regardless of who they are your spouse, your parents, your kids, whatever, we need boundaries. And if it's just family, well, I'm family, I'm supposed to be, I'm family, I'm family. Like if you are abusing your family title, especially if it's immediate family or blood family, or even, you know, family that is, um, becomes family through, you know, just kinship and relationship. If you abuse that because of, your lack of ability or wanting to abide by somebody's boundaries you're not being toxic so you can't just say oh what happened to family over everything well you're abusing that role which is a privilege of being my in my family like i really think any type of relationship especially a family relationship or a title is a, is an honor and a privilege you don't just get to have access to anybody regardless of your role period like i don't care who you are like i think that in and of itself is abusive to think that we have a certain amount of access to people or it's a toxic thought process as well and this is where you know i think a lot of parents when their kids get older and now you're ha you have an adult child and children adult children decide to not have a relationship with their parents because of something that their parents have done like you just think because i'm your mom your dad or whatever like but you don't you don't get to and i get that that may not make sense immediately and you might be mad at me for it it is what it is but you know that there's boundaries in play like you just don't get to have access to anybody and with especially if you are not willing to be healthy and i'll use an example again from my own personal life is uh, my dad and I have a fantastic relationship. He is, he's my guy. He is fulfilling the role of being a father. And I remember having to, we had to work to get here. We, we had to work. My dad is my guy, but we had to work. And we've put in a good 13 years, 15 years to get to where we're at now. And I'm 32. So you can do the math on that, but we've had to do intentional, hard, deep work of both healing in order to be able to, to, to have the relationship that we have. We talk every day, we hang out all the time, we go to concerts, we travel, like that's my guy. And I remember, I remember when he wasn't, I remember when I didn't have a relationship with him um, and it hurt and it pained me and it saddened me and I had to get to a space that um, I was willing to do some healing, um, but also he had to do some healing and he had to do some reflection. I had to set some boundaries in that process for us to be able to get to where we're at now. And the, the reason why I bring this up is because I'm an adult and I get to control who has access to me regardless of who you are. And there are a lot of people who force themselves on people regardless of the you know kind of the situation and the role but one thing that i like to bring up about this too is this is kind of different i'm still working on this thought process and i don't have children of my own however i've looked at some research around this of like you know calling our kids our best friends or calling our parents you know our best friends and i'm guilty of it i used to call my dad like my best friend or my mom was like my best friend but when i really start to sit and think about it she was just being what a mother is supposed to be 
Like my dad is just being what a dad is supposed to be. And the thing is, there's a lot of roles that people play in our lives that have similar feelings, right? Again, with the intim intimacy is in platonic and it is in romantic relationships. Obviously it looks different, it should look different, but connectedness, trust, it still feels the same way. Joy, happiness, it's all right, it's the same feelings, but my dad's not my best friend. My dad is my dad. My mom wasn't my best friend, like my mom is my mom and they fulfilled those roles of what it was supposed to look and feel like that also may give me the same type of feeling I get from my best friend. If that makes sense, right? Or that, because there still should be a certain type of boundaries. Like that's still my dad. There's still a certain part of respect or that's still my mom. There's still different, you know, things that happen. There should be blocks, if that makes sense. I don't have the best verbiage at this moment, but I think this also can become pretty toxic when we're looking at, and this is maybe a little off topic, but bear with me. When we're looking at like, you know, parents calling their little daughter oh yeah that's my little best friend but like like I get it but I think there's more to the story not necessarily the story but I think there's more to it towards probably not the most healthiest thing to where that should be like just and you embody that role like that you become the best of that you're that like just be that mom like be that aunt and that's what it should be versus like we have oftentimes a um, altered idea or an altered reality or altered presence of somebody who's supposed to be, you know, that dad or that mom or that auntie or uncle, whatever, right? Like they're not fulfilling what it should mean to be that thing. So then we try to make that thing a something else thing and it, and it shouldn't be like that's not their role. So then you have, you know, different expectations on a role for somebody that it shouldn't be met. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, let me know. We could talk about it. And I know that there's research and different things uh, behind that too when it comes to family systems um, and codependency and interdependency and all of that fun stuff that goes around it. But I digress and I'm moving forward. So here's my thought though. I think that family has become really mainstream and watered down. Here's what I mean. I think the term family has become mainstream and watered down because we went from just like likes and friends to that not being enough to it having to be love and family like likes and friends got played out so then we said okay now let's have love and family and now those are the things so family has now become watered down in in mainstream like think about you know, there's businesses and when jobs recruit you or even as a historical, as a basketball coach, right? It's like, yeah, we have a family atmosphere, can be a part of our family or at jobs, like this is a family here. Like it's not because this is transactional based and we have to stop treating transactional situations as it's something to have a familiar vibe. Stop trying to put familial vibes around transactional situations because when something happens that disrupts that familiar vibe, like, that it just ain't gonna work. It ain't family no more. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's business till it ain't, it's family till it ain't. And so it's really important to make sure that we're not muddling the familiar aspect. We're not muddling, right? Like that friendship, like just really call it what it is. Like you can be a nice person, we could be cool, but that don't have to make us family. I don't have to make us friends because the expectation is there. And then when the expectations get missed, now I'm sad. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought we was friends. I thought we was family. I thought we was bros. I thought, but it ain't, you know? And so I think, right, there's a lot of, especially in sports, like, and again, I am guilty of this. And I've had to grow out of this as a coach. We had shirts, family, right across the chest. But when, what happened when old girl didn't play? You know what I'm saying? Like her and her family was her had been beefing. It wasn't family then. What happened when, you know, something goes down? What happens when like season's over and now you don't talk to each other anymore? What happens when there's dissension? What happens when all these other different things, you know, that are transactional based, especially in sports, is transactional based. I get that you want the culture within your workspace, within your teams, with all these things. I get that you want a vibe or an aspect of it, but I think calling it family is abusive and it's toxic and we got to get rid of it. There are many other things we can say. We have a caring environment and here's how we do that. We prioritize communication. We respect your boundaries. We prioritize your psychological well-being. We prioritize your psychological safety. All these things can exist within a team, within a job, with any workspace, whatever it is, but you don't have to label it 
family in order to get it because family's not safe for everybody. The word family is not safe for everybody. You know, it's just it's just not because some people's family structures and upbringing wasn't it. So when they think of family, they're like, mm, I'm good. It's now like a trigger. Mm, I'm cool off that because you're going to try to use that term to leverage and demean and manipulate me in a way because we're family. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we've gotten to a space where we've normalized something that is supposed to be cherished and prized at a different level. And that's what I mean by thinking we've we've watered it down. I mean, I even think of um, social media cats who, you know, hey, besties, hey, family, hey, da, da, da. I don't know you, you know, but like we tried and I get it, but where's the sanctity? You know what I'm saying? Where's that sacredness of like, this is my, not everybody is your ace, boom, fam, mm, you know what I'm saying? Just cause you have this title, even in, in somebody's life, you know what I'm saying? Just cause you got an auntie and an uncle and cousins and blah, 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 don't mean they actually live up to those, live up to the standard. And I think that's what I was talking about too, when it came to, or comes to, you know, thinking about my dad, like he's now living up to what it means to be a dad. And to me, that is God's way of him showing me God's love. It's through the redemption, through the reconciliation, through the consistency, through the unconditional love that God is displaying that to me in my own personal journey, right? Through my dad and I get to experience that one-on-one, -on -one. but he's living up to his title. And oftentimes people don't live up to their titles. And if somebody don't live up to their title to me, I ain't calling it is. I'm just, I'm not calling you it. If you uh, you know what I'm saying, that you're supposed to be a leader or whatever and you have a specific title, like we think, let me go backwards. We think just because somebody has a specific title, they're entitled. We think just because you have a title, that makes you entitled to. Just because you're a leader, that makes you entitled to respect. Mm, earned. Just because you're my fill in the blank, you know what I'm saying? Uh, whatever the family dynamic you want to plug into that, you still have to live up to it. Just because I'm a I'm a partner doesn't mean just mean that I get to just be whatever. I still have to live up to my expectations of a partner every single day as a sister, as a friend, as a daughter. I have to live up to those things that I want because it's an honor to do life with other people. And I think that because we have watered these things down and the expectations are so low, people no longer cherish these roles unless you make them, unless you have boundaries. So it can't be family over everything without having boundaries. So really when it comes down to it, like forcing family is toxic. Forcing family is toxic. Forcing friendship is toxic. Forcing anything is toxic. It's abusive and it, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be right. There needs to be consent. There needs to be um, something lived up to. There needs to be intention. There needs to be intimacy. There needs to be consistency. There needs to be psychological safety. There needs to be um, familiarity. There needs to be connectedness. There needs to be organic as well. You can't, anything forced is, is gross. Anything forced breaks. But when something's organic, it just makes it that much better. Except for produce sometimes, like I don't really know if it makes that much better. It's just more expensive. So I'm gonna just get the regular bananas, but I digress. So here's, here's, here's a great example that I think um, that I see all the time. And this kind of hits what I'm talking about, uh, friends. But I was watching this interview of Amarion on The Breakfast Club. And he started talking about how they basically forced them to be brothers. Bruh. When I was listening to this, I was like, I gotta use this, I gotta use this because he is proving my point right here. Y'all, please take a second and listen to Amarion in his his, uh, his interview. Yeah. You guys were everywhere together. You guys grew up with each other. Yeah. So how is it that you guys really don't mesh and speak and communicate? And right. when they do, it's usually, I haven't heard you say really much bad about them, anything bad about them, but them talking bad about you. So right. how does that work? Because you all are still on tour, or were on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a... Uh, that's a uh, that's a challenging question just because, you know, there were a lot of people, you know, like, let, let's just take the concept of brotherhood, right? Correct. You know what I mean? Everybody has a different version of that. 
you know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. because some people don't actually have siblings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It means different things to different people. So I would say in one aspect through our journey, you know, we were put together to be brothers. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I don't think in essence we, we were. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, there were a lot of people, you know, um, that made sure that we connected and then disconnected. You know what I mean? Um, you know, certain people on our journey, it's almost like we were made to be brothers to be secret enemies. You know what I mean? And there's only certain stories that could kind of, you know, embody like what that means, you know, because I believe in real brotherhood, jealousy doesn't exist. You know, you mm. might you might feel like you might feel like, okay, well, dang, look at my bro, he going up. I wanna be inspired, but it never makes you vindictive it never mm, makes mm -hmm. you jealous it never makes you go past a certain point so if you you hear this he says a couple things he says they were put together to be brothers right like it was a setup they weren't the jackson five it was it was a setup they were put together to be brothers to fall apart my goodness so this is like a team when you try to put your team together to be a family, but you don't have in all the other structure, it's going to fall apart. When you try to force family or you force any relationship without boundaries, communication, emotional maturity, emotional confidence, you're, it's going to fall apart. Again, Jay-Z said, nobody wins on the family feuds. We're all screwed because we don't have the tools. If you aren't emotionally confident, if you aren't emotionally mature, you don't have the ability to handle and get us to reconciliation through conflict management we're screwed and and omarion talks about this here and i love it but he also talks about how like people have different definitions of brotherhood and you can see the difference and i felt this like i have blood sisters but we don't really have any relationship but i also have sisters and brothers who aren't blood but our relationship still is major different because i didn't grow up in a household with brothers or sisters. So it looks majorly different than somebody who may have. And I think Amarion points that out again to where, you know, you we have a lot of these notions about brotherhoods and sisterhoods and all these things, but it means something different to everybody because some people really had to live with it. And then some people just had it through other spaces. Like I still never really lived with anybody in that way to be able to fully embody it in the way that sometimes it's forced on other folks. The other thing that he said that I thought was really cool is he said that they were they were made to be brothers just to be secret enemies and it was the people around them. <sighs> Boy, he said they were made to be brothers but felt like they were just to be secret enemies because the people around them, like the folks around them influenced them to disconnect. Like they were connected to disconnect. Like. I know y'all can look at your life and some of your friendships and think some of the same thing and some of your family things, uh, dynamics and think some of the exact same, like how, like who else is around that is speaking into these spaces again, where family's supposed to be here. You're like, you shouldn't be able to say nothing to me without expecting me to say something over here. You know what I'm saying? Like you shouldn't expect, um, that you just have the ability to pull me down or them or whatever. And without it, like, nah, like that shouldn't even be the case. And unfortunately, right, that sounds like that was the case here with the B2K uh, drama. And we've kind of seen how that's played out if you if you've paid attention. But he mentioned like real brothers don't get jealous. Like when you see one of your brothers going off, you should be inspired like, yeah, yeah. he didn't do that. But that was my definition. Um, but it doesn't make you vindictive. And I think that that's true. And that's something that I think is important to recognize, right? Like is jealousy shouldn't be something that happens within that space. Like I can't be psychologically safe with you if I feel like you're jealous of me, period. Like I cannot be psychologically safe with you if I feel like you're jealous of me. It just won't happen. And because your energy is gonna precede you and mine is gonna precede me and we are going to clash and the family will feud and if we don't have the tools, it ain't gonna work. All right, y'all, so as we wind down, I want to point out and make sure that you guys follow um, Nidra on IG. Um, she dropped something recently and she said, due to generational trauma, some people don't have elders. They have people in their family who have grown older, but not wiser. I'll wait. 
Due to generational trauma, some people don't have elders. They have people in their family who have grown older, but not wiser. My goodness gracious. Just whole mic drop. I ain't got a mic. Here's why this is so fire and I read it. I fell, I, I got weak in the knees because I've experienced this personally and I believe that everybody has probably experienced this personally. And again, just because somebody is older doesn't mean that they have the emotional maturity and the emotional confidence to be able to handle adversity, to be able to handle conflict, to be able to have conflict management, to be able to recognize, okay, boom, when the family feuds, do we have the tools? If somebody's older and they don't have the tools, it's going to it's going to result in a clash, a forever clash, and that's where boundaries must go up in order for you to protect your peace. In order for you to be able to assess, is this a situation where I need to uh, protect my peace and pursue reconciliation, protect my peace and learn how to have conflict management? Because a lot of times we just go, I got to protect my peace and leave it there, but we don't pursue reconciliation at the same time, protecting my peace and having my boundaries, but also assessing, do I still need to learn conflict management? With Is this situation something that's going to teach me how to manage conflict, how to communicate and have difficult conversations, right? I think that that's something important. And it's unfortunate when you don't have or when somebody sits in an elder position, but isn't wise and isn't able to pass down wisdom to you or isn't able to model what it's like to be you know, an elder. And I think that's why a lot of us, especially, you know, millennials and Gen Z's are just frankly feel let down by, by our elders in every way is because we are seeing them not display emotional confidence, emotional maturity, emotional intelligence, however you want to say it. Um, and it's unfortunate. So age, like Aaliyah said, ain't nothing but a number in this way, because unfortunately you're getting older, you're having more birthdays, but you haven't been able to heal your intrapersonal trauma that's preventing you from being able to be the wise old elder that you should be, that you're the people, your familiar aspect needs. And this is where being able to choose your family, I think is really important. And being able to say who has access to you becomes that much more important. So this is where I really think you're right. Forcing family without boundaries and proper, and proper communication tools and authenticity becomes a threat to my existence. If you are trying to force family and without having boundaries and proper communication tools um, and being authentic and pursuing with emotional confidence and emotional maturity, that becomes a threat to my existence and my purpose. And I ain't having it. And neither should you. Um, she also talked about a couple other things. I'm going to throw them up here real quick. And I want us to just look at these and please make sure you follow her and give her support. Um, she's got a couple books out. So make sure you get cop those as well. Um, you are not alone. There's no such thing as a perfect family. Please hear that. I think that we definitely see this again with social media, which is great too. Like you see the dope, um, you know, you see all the pictures of everybody like, oh, their success, their fame, their money. Uh, but I've got a couple examples that are that are like, whoa, like Master P and Romeo right now are beefing on Instagram. Just out loud. We've been knowing a Romeo, make your elbow swing. And Master P, you know what I'm saying? Woo woo for forever. You know what I'm saying? Like we we feel like we part of their family. Hooty hoo. But they're beefing. You know, like I thought they was cool. I didn't know because I don't know them. But again, that's the illusion that social media can give. But also what we see is like Romeo was dealing with the pain of losing his sister. Master P's in with the pain of losing a daughter and and I know firsthand what that feels like with losing a sister and my dad. So I get I get the grieving, but it sucks that it has to happen right on like in front of everybody's face. But again, no family is perfect regardless of how much money, you know, that anybody or fame that anybody has. The other think of like Kirk Franklin is his son. Last year, Kirk cussed him out. He said, Don't you ever disrespect me. We heard Kirk turn into plies and it was like everybody was like get your son Kirk like mm. you know what I'm saying and I, I it just is what it is but again nobody's perfect which is the whole point of being human I think is to display that we're not perfect but again no family is perfect I mean you even got like Dr. Dre and his daughter were in the news within the last year I mean think about Nick Cannon and his like 12 kids with six different babies moms like Definitely. You know what I'm saying? And another thing is Jay-Z talks about also, you know, how money can come between you and your family. So no family unit because we as humans are imperfect. My family, therefore, will also be imperfect. 
I am imperfect, you are imperfect, therefore whatever interactions we have will be imperfect and so it is our duty to make sure that we are doing the right and best thing to have healthy interactions. If you are not going to be healthy, you can't do life with me, period. If you are not gonna pursue healthy communication, if you're not gonna pursue healthy relationships and intent and have a healthy and healed heart, we can't do life together because then you become a threat to my existence and my well-being and my psychological and physical safety and my nervous system and it just ain't, it just ain't worth it. The next thing she says, you're not obligated to have relationships with unhealthy people. My, look, I said it, then I read it, it just, it, you're not. You are not obligated to do it, so don't feel like you have to. Um, you don't have to like every person in your family. You don't, period. You cannot tr create healthy relationships with people who are not interested in having healthy relationships. I ain't even, I just, look y'all, I promise you, I found it, I read it, I'm spitting, and these are facts. Right. And I love that she's saying this along with me saying it because you're hearing it from multiple sources and you don't have to feel guilty for not wanting to engage with people you don't want to. Like you just don't and you shouldn't. So shame off you. You don't have to feel guilty about any of it. You're not betraying anybody by speaking your truth. You're honoring yourself. And that's the whole point of authenticity, humility and self-awareness. Honor your truth. And then figure out how you can move forward. Figure out who are the people that you want to do life with. Who are the people that are, are going to honor you and honor their role in your life as well and vice versa, right? Because you got to be able to give back that same respect to other people. And the last two, right? It's okay to be different from other people in your family. I think this is huge. This is really big. And again, this is you holding on to your authenticity and your self-awareness and saying, okay, I'm different. That doesn't mean it's bad. But this allows you to grow in, in discovering who you are and how you want to be and how you want to show up in the world. But this also goes full circle back to why Fast and Furious is amazing is because you may be different from the people in your born immediate blood family, but you can also go find another family somewhere else, right? Like Fast and Furious by, by your connections and your passions and your purpose. And this is why all right, if I got something on my lip. Um, sports teams are amazing or bands or the theater or whatever it is because you can create these familiar like cultures and spaces and communities in other avenues when you are bringing along all these other tools. And the last thing that she said is you can create, my goodness, that's funny. Uh, she said you can create family relationships with people who you are not related to. Um, non-scripted i will tell you guys that but a hundred percent you can do that so use fast and furious as an example um use other people that are around you and recognize and see are these people being consistent are they displaying loyalty are they displaying trust in in what is it that it is that you want from other people um that you're also able to give so, you know don't expect people to just give you a bunch without you being able to give in return be clear with your expectations, be clear with your boundaries and recognize is this a situation that is calling for me to protect my peace and, right? Protect my peace and pursue conflict management and pursue the ability to have um, high communication skills within difficult situations. Protect my peace and um, insert my boundaries, right? Protect my peace and receive reconciliation or protect my peace and move on without closure. Only you can decide what type of situation that is for you. But I'll also say this, y'all. I believe that family should provide you with psychological safety, the feeling of love and joy and peace, admiration and value. You should be where you're valued and celebrated and not tolerated. I feel that family should be a space that you have connection and familiarity that supports your purpose, that supports your existence, um, that gives you solace and peace and peace of mind and makes you feel at home. Home is where your family is, right? Home is where your love is. And we should really get away from forcing this on people and allow it to organically happen. And so I say all of that to say that... Um, it's family over everything until it's not. It's like, no. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's family over everything except for boundaries. Get some boundaries. Get yourself the tools that you need in order to have organic um, relationships, healthy relationships 
um, because when the family feuds, nobody wins. And we are at a stage in a day and age where everybody should be able to access the tools because one, they're really just on Instagram um, or YouTube or TikTok or whatever, where you can get the tools. Um, and if you need further, that's where therapy comes into play. That's where mentorship, that's where friendship, that's where just talking to somebody so that way you can get healthy so you can do life with people because you deserve to do life with healthy people. So family over everything when they're healthy, when boundaries are established, when there's communication, when there's trust and love and loyalty, um, commitment and consistency and peace and psychological safety, but never but never at the expense of you having to sell yourself out, uh, never at the expense of you having to deny who you are in order to have um, that familiar capital. So here are your drills and skills. I'm gonna run through these really, really fast. Um, number one, establish boundaries, period. Um, number two, assess, do you have psychological and physical safety in the spaces um, that you are doing life with? If your nervous system is telling you otherwise, listen to it, period. Listen to your nervous system. Um, and number three, analyze how you show up in these relationships. Uh, what is it that you're carrying with you? What is it that you're preparing yourself for? I know for myself, um, you know, as a lesbian in a lot of spaces, historically was like, ah, can I be my full me here? And if not, then now it's like, it just is, I'd be forgetting that I don't have no hair and I'm a lesbian. I'd be like, oh shoot, like I'd be forgetting until you remind me, you know, but that's not everybody's case, right? But what, think about it. What are the things you have to prepare yourself for when you are going into and having to show up into these spaces, especially during the holidays? I mean, recognize that. Like, what is it that you're carrying with you? And do you even still want to carry that anymore? So I appreciate y'all. I am glad that I redid this episode because the first one just wasn't given what it was supposed to give. So um, whatever your holidays bring for you, whatever this season of life, whenever you watch this, whatever it does for you on this day, um, I hope that you are able to have peace. I hope that you're able to experience joy. Um, I hope that if you have any relationships that you want reconciled, that you are able to do that. Um, I hope that on your grieving journey of grieving the loss of people who are still alive, that you find peace, um, whether there's reconciliation or it is, you know, ending with no closure. Regardless, I hope that you are surrounded with love in some way. I hope that you are able to experience life to its fullest. I hope that your hope is renewed, that your optimism is renewed and your psychological well-being is high. This is Practice the Podcast, where we fuse research and culture to help you develop the mindset, habits, and skills in order to live out your purposeful confidence. I'm your host, Coach Reese, and that is it for episode 10. I love y'all. Peace.